Thank you for downloading the Wings Museum podcast. In this edition, recorded on 16th of July, we talk to museum co-curator Daniel Hunt about the quieter months of lockdown and the challenges and joys of reopening the museum to the public. Like many museums, we were requested to shut back in March. So we'd only been open, I think, about two weeks. And then, obviously, uh, we had to close in accordance with government advice. We've remained closed in that time and... Again, like a lot of museums, it's been a quite a tough time because, you know, a lot of museums are totally reliant on volunteers. Many of those volunteers are of, of a, an age where they kind of have to sort of tread carefully when it comes to uh, COVID-19 and what risks they undertake by participating and volunteering at the museum. So, so for us, we have to take that whole thing very, very seriously. So um, once we received the deadline of the 4th of July that we should, if all went well, be able to reopen. We waited till the last week just before before we actually sort of carried out our review here. And then it was a mad panic and a mad rush to get all the precautions in place. But uh, I feel quite confident with what we have achieved in that respect. And certainly as soon as you walk through the front door, in fact, before you walk through the front door, you can see the barriers and the signage and uh, various painted marks on the path to encourage people to be sensible about how they act when they are in here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, one of the probably the most striking thing is as you walk in, there's a, a rather large perspex screen around the till. It's not subtle, but the point is, again, we wanted our volunteers to feel safe and to give them maximum protection. And the other problem, of course, is that uh, the 4th of July deadline meant that all the facilities like us and shops and hospitality venues were all looking to buy Perspex screens. So in actual fact, buying Perspex was sort of near impossible at that time. And I have to confess that these two Perspex panels have actually been temporarily borrowed from a from a display in the Red Hill section, which was a display of photographs. So we've made our screen from those panels and the other thing that obviously we've got in now large quantity is the sanitizer um, hand wash anti-back spray and again you kind of rapidly overnight become a bit of an expert on it (laughs) because there's so many different options out there we have stocked up for the foreseeable future and we really hope that we don't need all this and that we'll have quantities of it left over at the end and of course all the, the the thinking about what people may touch as they're walking around it's not even not even a definite touch it's just someone might put their hand on something and so that is added to a a more rigorous cleaning regime yeah, that's right. I mean, some of the hands-on displays here have been temporarily removed. There was an engine that you could turn the handle and you could see how a radial engine worked. And there was actually a little um, teddy bear lurking inside one of the cylinders which popped up and down, which sort of entertained the kids. But we've removed that for the time being. A few other things we've removed temporarily, like the Morse code key, which you know kids would sort of find quite entertaining to learn how to morse code their own name and things like that so that's that's been removed for the moment and we've created one-way systems where we can but like most museums there are sort of pinch points but we are quite lucky that the areas are quite open and they're quite visual so you can see if there's someone in an area so uh, i think common sense has to kind of play a part in this as well and it's certainly a lot more light and airy in the sort of hangar-sized building than in my local shop, for example. That's right. I mean, um, I think 
just the nature of the museum it, it is quite open and uh, we we sort of consider this environment as a as a fairly low risk in any case but even so we're still doing everything that we can i think we're feeling quite positive and we just obviously like most people we're keeping an eye on what's going on in the world and whilst we had quite a busy weekend on that 4th of July opening obviously there were lots of people waiting to let their hair down the following week was quite quiet and it's just beginning now to kind of make a bit of a comeback there's a steady increase in sort of visitor foot flow and I think that's understandable really people are just sort of just being cautious and seeing how things are going which I think is probably a very sensible thing. Yes, I mean, I've been here a couple of days this week and it's people almost surprised that you're open but very grateful when they come through the front door. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, museums like this are totally reliant on public visitors. I think we're just really grateful that we are open. We're managing to take a bit of a revenue again, which is most welcome. And I think it's just getting the word out there now that the Wings Museum is open six days a week and uh, is a, you know, a, a good place to bring the family or just you know, sort of learn about times where um a bit like living today in the covid situation that equally they were uh, worrying times during world war ii so it sort of puts our problems into perspective in many ways and while we've all been in lockdown you've not been sitting on your hands doing nothing there's been a constant stream of communication around the world i mean there's generally been quite a lot of support from around the world too yes there has i mean i think people have been uh, been very generous in that uh, people have actually donated to the museum um, just just as you know they're kind of realizing the kind of hardships that a lot of museums are having and uh, and you know the importance of these museums remaining open for the foreseeable future because you know there are I mean you know touch wood we're riding the storm but there are collections that you know are at huge risk and I'm sure that some of them will be forced to close and that's a great shame because you know, as as often is the case, once these things are gone, they're gone forever. We're just grateful to to do the work that we love, pay the bills, pay the operating costs, fund projects. That's also another thing which suffers in you know in these kind of situations. Has any work been able to be continued by the volunteers? And there's been some bits on the Facebook of things that may or may not have been going on. I've been able to kind of maintain like one volunteer working in the back workshop, one volunteer working in the front workshop, and, and another volunteer working on a couple of the pieces that are temporarily outside, prepping them for various sandblasting and thing that, things that need to be done. So, you know, where possible, we have maintained progress. Front of house staff, for obvious reasons, haven't really been in. But having said that, they're beginning to come back now. Last week, we introduced a display to Joe Lancaster, who was one of our Bomber Boy veterans that was signing here. So we've now got his escape axe, which he told us that he uh, liberated out of, a, <laughs> out of a Lancaster at some point in his uh, career. Uh, his flying jacket, his flying boots and his kit bag. So, uh, you know, and, and there's still more to go on display. The next um, items that we're working on are memorabilia associated to George Dunn, who is another one of our Bomber Boy veterans that, was here doing veteran signings and he flew 65 operations on Lancasters and Mosquitoes so his uh, personal memorabilia will be in a dedicated display case very soon as well so there's lots to do. And you mentioned the veteran signing sessions there obviously there have been no events 
while the museum's been shut. Are you hoping to be able to get any of them in later in the year? Yeah, certainly when it comes to events. I mean, this year, actually, we had the most number of events planned that we've ever had um, because we had spent the whole of 2019 revamping the museum, trying to get the word out there and organising some new events as well. But uh, unfortunately, they all had to be cancelled. Postponed, I hope. Postponed, yeah. Cancelled is a bit of a harsh word, but definitely postponed. So hopefully next year we will be able to resume all the ideas that we had and the other thing is is that we had a lot of group bookings that were obviously cancelled which again I think uh, postponed again is you know we hope that they will come back in fact we are just just beginning to see some inquiries coming back now for later on in the year so uh, fingers crossed that those are all permitted to take place. I know that one of the uh, inquiries you've had was from a car club and obviously you know coming and parking your car outside meeting your friends at a sensibly social distance uh, and then having a look around the museum that that's should be a perfectly sensible thing to be doing now or at least in the near future yes that's right i mean you know for sort of small car clubs that are just looking for you know 15 maybe 30 cars and they're just looking for somewhere to where they can park their cars up they can have a chat about them you know use them is the most important thing but also then they can wander around the museum you know obviously they don't all have to come in at once although we, we have allowed for a queuing system outside the museum. But uh, the other thing that we found is uh, we're getting um, parents bringing in their children and they're furthering this uh, home education that they've been doing. So a lot of the kids have been learning about World War II at home. Like my children as well have, have sort of done World War II, as you might expect. <laughs> Once or twice, I'd imagine, by now. <laughs> yeah, it's not forced upon them, I might add. Um, but uh, I think they have a bit of an advantage when they've got a, a, a dad that's kind of a curator of a museum full of world war ii memorabilia so we've found that they're sort of coming in with their mum or whatever and you know it it gives the kids somewhere to where they can be inspired by the actual original items that are here and also the stories that are behind all these items i mean it is all about the people we've actually got a new website that's just uh, gone live and on there under the schools section you can actually find some uh, just a couple of pdf downloads of a couple of quizzes and questionnaires which uh, people can print off so when they come to visit the museum another way of sort of keeping the kids entertained you know the museum goes down very well with our younger generation and i think that's good to see because we don't rely on ipads and technology to do it we you know it's the actual artifacts that achieve that and i think that that's very important really it brings a lot of the 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 war story stuff to life doesn't it i know that there's always a fascination with the planes obviously and sitting in a plane and pretending to be flying a plane but things like the air raid shelters i mean one that you can actually sort of walk in but one of course that you can't yeah that's right the um the morrison shelter which is the uh what they call the tabletop shelter which if you didn't have a garden you would have that in your flat or house or whatever and the idea being is that uh, in an air raid, you were supposed to sleep in it. And if you if you come to the museum and see it, I mean, I can't think of a worse night's sleep in my life <laughs> without an air raid, you know. Like um, sleeping under a very low bed. <laughs> the idea was, was that, you know, should the worst happen and your house took a direct hit and your house collapsed, that it would just create an air pocket where you you would then stand a chance of being rescued and dug out. So that's, you know, the idea of that is basically a big metal box which people used as a table, um, put a tablecloth over and tried to pretend it wasn't there. But, um, 
you know, hence being called the table shelter. But again, I think kids like to see the difference. And, uh, you know, there's quite a lot here that's local history as well. So a lot of people can pick out something that is near to them or a place that they've been to. But, yeah, it's not just local. I mean, obviously, you can go around the corner and learn about the last battles of World War Two with the Kuril Islands and, uh, you know, the eastern campaign with the Russians and the Japanese. So literally, there's all sorts of things here to learn about. And if you'd like to visit the museum to learn about any of the subjects mentioned by Daniel, it is open from Tuesday to Sunday from 10 until 5. For more information, visit www.wingsmuseum.co.uk.